This is the NROI Podcast, your source for factual information for USPSA and SCSA competition. This podcast is brought to you by the National Range Officers Institute, United States Practical Shooting Association, and Steel Challenge Shooting Association. Goal rule books can be found at uspsa.org slash rules, scsa.org slash rules, and on the USPSA and SCSA apps available in your Apple App Store and Google Play Store. All rates for this podcast are reserved. No portion of this podcast may be used or redistributed without written permission from the director of the National Range Officers Institute. Rules discussions on this podcast do not constitute an official ruling. The discussions on this podcast are meant to inform and educate. The only official rulings are published as per the bylaws of the United States Practical Shooting Association. Questions about rules should be emailed to rules at uspsa.org. This is episode 32, recorded early April 2023. Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to the NROI Podcast. I'm Kevin Emmel, and as usual, joining us uh, is Troy McManus. Good evening, Troy. Hello. And Jody Human. Good evening, Jody. Hello. Jody and I had the pleasure of teaching a level one early last weekend. Met a bunch of folks up in the North Idaho, Western Montana, Eastern Washington area. That was a lot of fun. We had uh, interesting weather on Saturday. We had snow, grapple, hail, rain, wind, lightning, thunder. At one point, all at the same time. It was great. That's <laughs> just typical lose. spring weather, Kevin. Yeah, Come on. I know. But at least, at least we, we didn't lose power, so that would have slowed things down a little bit. So, right, Dan Bernard and I did the same thing in New Hampshire. We, I mean, it was cold, but then when we came out of the seminar on Saturday, it was snowing. And then the next morning, it had cleared up. He, he was calling it uh, Florida Weather Appreciation Weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> I think he yeah. liked it when he went back to Tampa and did that one this past weekend down in uh, Punta Gorda. So that was his solo one. But I think the weather was better. And, and Joy, there were no, Troy, there were no sandwich mishaps at, at this one. So Oh, man. Rub that salt <laughs> in that one. <laughs> Yeah, I hate uh, I hate the sandwich mishaps. <laughs> <laughs> All the sandwiches are right were were correct, and they were ready waiting for me when I got there. It was awesome. Good. Yeah, nobody delivering out there. That's a long ways from everywhere. Yeah. So what Kevin's referring to is the uh, NRY hosted seminars, the ones that we produce. Um, we usually provide lunch with those, and a couple of weekends ago, I did one up in Wisconsin, and the and the lunch was. Uh, the lunch delivery was less than stellar. Let's put it that way. So uh, <laughs> breakfast was a, a no-go. Uh, I ordered at Duncan on the app. They sent me a note, said, we're preparing your order. I went to get it. Place was locked up tight. Nobody was in there. Uh, emailed Duncan later. They go, oh, yeah, we've been having trouble getting people to work. I'm like, well, that's nice. So, <laughs> And then the Lunch order was was messed up, but the guys at Vortex helped me out, ran down to the store, brought back some chicken and some other stuff, so everybody got fed. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of a mess. So I'm glad to hear your sandwiches worked out all right. Yeah. The moral of the story is if Troy's at your seminar and it's an NRI-hosted seminar, pack a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> They've all worked out before. <laughs> Anywho. Um, let's see, what are we going to talk about tonight? Troy, I know you had a couple things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about is, is sort of the kerfuffle that's being caused to, uh, or bandied about on social media about outlaw matches and stuff. So I saw something that said that USPSA was trying to done clubs for outlaw matches and that some of them had been told they owed us $10,000 or something. And that's absolutely not true. Um, we don't try to bill people for an outlaw match or anything. Our main concern is basically USPSA rules, uh, you know, NRY training targets, et cetera, all kind of USPSA stuff. We don't own hit factor scoring. So the comment made in social media about that was correct. We don't own it. We don't try to beat anybody up if they're using hit factor scoring, but. We do want USPSA affiliated clubs to do things the right way. They have a certain number of uh, 
matches that they're required to run due to their affiliation and a certain number of classifiers, and they have to upload that and pay for it. But if they do other matches, that's fine. But the thing that that kind of crosses the line, I guess, is when they advertise a match as an outlaw match, but using USPSA rules or most of our rules or whatever, because that is USPSA's intellectual property and uh, also our work product because the organization develops the rules, et cetera. So you're kind of pirating that kind of thing when you when you make comments like that. Uh, but just to set the record straight, we're not going after anybody that's advertised they they ran an outlaw match or something that used our rules. We're just trying to do it as an educational thing and say, you know, this is these belong to us. If you want to do USPSA stuff, then do USPSA stuff. And uh, and if not, then hey, write your own rule set and. And, you know, uh, bless your heart, get it done. So that's the outlaw match uh, speech for the week. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it seems to keep blowing up. It's a little crazy. Well, people are going to shoot what they want to shoot. And, I mean, I can't blame them, you know, but at the same time, they shouldn't expect support from the organization for something that they're not supporting as well. So. Right. That's kind of the kind of the thing, you know. All right. What else you got? Um, I had a couple of questions that kind of made me pause for a minute this week. Uh one of them was whether you had to wear a collared shirt at USPSA uh level three or IPSC level three matches, and the answer is no, as far as I know. IPSC may have something about it. I haven't dug into their rule set that deeply, but I know that they require you to to dress business casual or better at their uh, formal award ceremonies at, at higher level matches, but they don't require you to wear a collared shirt or anything like that. And USPSA certainly doesn't have that dress code. Now, we do have a, a dress code of sorts so that if the match director finds what you're wearing to be objectionable, um, then he can require that you change it or not shoot or something like that. But I mean, I think you'd have to get really out there in the USPSA and shooting community to, to have something that's so offensive that they won't let you shoot. I mean, I can think of certain things, but, uh, yeah. I've never seen anybody wearing that at a match. So, I mean, well, I do have to say as a lady, you do want to be careful with the low cut shirts or v-neck shirts they're kind of low and hot brass yeah same that's mm-hmm. a safety thing <laughs> it is it really it is. is a safety thing yeah but you get yeah. a piece of brass between your eyeglass uh yeah you know, arm of your too. eyeglasses in your yeah. head that's yeah. not pleasant but i yeah. can imagine the other way yeah. i've had rifle brass down my down my shirt collar and that wasn't a hell of a lot of fun either no. oh yeah but you know Keep that in mind. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. But I yeah. mean, yeah, it's 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 a good idea. And then certain places where we go, like CMP, you know, they won't let you on the range in open-toed shoes. And and that's one of the reasons. Uh, the other reason is that, I mean, you can imagine walking around a bunch of brass and rocks and everything else. And I guess it's probably a kind of a liability thing for them, but uh, it's also kind of a safety thing because I'm sure a piece of hot brass between your toes wouldn't feel good either. That's probably more for uh, to prevent trips and falls too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Because I mean, heck, I can't walk around my house in a pair of flip-flops without tripping every once in a while. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah. can't see doing it on the range. There used to be a guy that would come shoot barefoot though. And then the places that let him do it, he would shoot barefoot all day long. Yeah. You know, I've I've looked at the bottom of my shoes after working a match and seen all the little round bunches in the bottom of my shoes from brass and went, no, I don't know how you do that barefoot. I don't either, but he did it. Yep. It was. Some people just have tough feet. I guess. Or no sense of pain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well hey you know maybe his hobby is walking across beds of lava rock or fire, you know, do fire yeah. walking or whatever it's called there's a trick to that but <laughs> <laughs> i've done that but yeah, there's a trick to it so all right um 
And then uh, there was one about, uh, re- you know, allowing other activities to occur in unused bays at a match. Um, right. Yeah, we, uh, as far as USPSA is concerned, we don't have any uh, rules that prohibit that. So if you have 10 or 12 bays and you're only going to use half of them, I mean, we don't have anything that keeps somebody else from using the other bays. That would be a range thing. And I mean, in general, uh, a range with 12 bays is not going to shut everything down for you to use six of them, right? So, right. I mean, I think that would be just kind of a common sense thing, but it, it's up to the range. It's not up to USPSA. Um, I know some ranges some... that do, but just but it's simply because of traffic. Right, right. So, I don't know. I mean, we got... It's it's been a strange couple of weeks for questions because we've had some some questions that were just uh different and I'm I'm gonna guess that they're probably coming from new people and that's fine. Yeah, but that's great. You know, can I shoot a a six eighty six revolver using nine mil and moon clips? Sure. Yep. Right. Can I do the moon clips have to be covered up on my belt? And you know, it's no, they don't have to be no. enclosed or anything like that. So nope. Mostly just new stuff, but <clears throat> kind of interesting to to get a flood of questions that are all not just "Hey, this happened," or you know, "I don't like this rule" or something. So, <laughs> um, one of the things we did get was a uh, recently at a match there was a competitor that had an unrealistic time, and so somebody arbitrated it during the the one hour score arbitration period. And the arbitration committee determined that it was unrealistic and and said that he had to reshoot, but he wasn't there, right? He had already left and and was home by the time that that happened. So uh, then the recourse for that is if you can't reshoot and you can't get an accurate score, then you get a zero for the stage, right? So that's a kind of a hazard that you see in in multi-day matches where you can shoot, let's say, Thursday, Friday, and then the rest of the match is Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you really have to check your scores and and take a look at, at what you got. You have to kind of listen up for what the ROs are calling out for your time and then double check what you heard against the tablet when you touch approve. Because if you don't, then somebody may notice that. There were a couple of instances of that at, uh, at the World Shoot, right? Uh, one of them was a, a two- point something second time which was obviously a, a typo but it took them quite a while to determine what they were going to do with that and then the other one was a a time that was unrealistic for that stage compared to the you know the the fastest times on it and it took the ipsic folks even longer to to determine what they were going to do with that but both of them ended up being reshoots um the thing about some of the ipsic stuff is uh People were recording things, and Ipsic allows some of that. And a couple of times, the sound, the audio recording, uh, helped them change a, a score right there on the stage because the RO called out uh, 12.6 seconds, say, and, and the, the time that they saw was 22.6 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they said, you you typoed that. You fat-fingered it. And they you know, didn't want to really say that they had. Then they had it on their uh, – personal video or the uh, the audio of it and they could hear the RO calling the timeout. So that was kind of a no-brainer. That got fixed pretty quick. Um so just you got to pay attention and especially if you're going to shoot early and then split, then you got to make sure that your stuff is right. And those matches also have a, an obligation to be posting scores so that you can review them. So sometimes you get a report uh, immediately after shooting a stage, you'll get a score log through practice score if they have Wi-Fi on the range and they have it set up properly. And then they should upload like twice a day at least so that you can see what your stuff is if you're not getting those score logs. And then that's the time to go and say, hey, I don't think this is right. I don't think I shot any no-shoots on this stage because no-shoots, you can you can add no-shoots on a practice score tablet until it, it quits counting them. And it never notifies you that, hey, you, you got a problem, right? Right. Right. So the tablet will say this time is appears to be unrealistic if it's really far off. The tablet will not let you uh, 
put the wrong number of hits on a target. Uh, but it will let you put no shoots as much as you want because it does not care. 22 no shoots. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, I've seen them up around 50. You know, it's just, right. And it's just fat fingering is what it is. But yeah, you know, it's people hanging on to the tablet. tablet right. You know, and just, it's just sitting there just racking them up. <laughs> but you have to pay attention to your score. You know, and I usually tell people, you know, they said, well, I can't keep track of all of the all of the hits. But what you should be listening for is anything that you don't think you you might have shot, right? I mean, as, as good a shot as you are, everybody shoots nothing but alphas. But, you know, if they're calling deltas and mics and no shoots, yeah. and that's kind of what I add up in my head because I, I like to keep track of Charlie's, deltas, any mics. Um, the rest, alphas are just gravy, right? Yeah. So if you got all alphas, that's a that's a no brainer. But if you heard them call a Delta or heard them call a Charlie, and and that's showing up more than what you thought you had, then you got to look at that as well. So there's kind of a couple tricks you can use to verify your score at the end before you hit approve. And one of the things you need to look for really is no shoots because if you didn't hear them call any and you have some, then somebody just fat fingered the tablet yeah. and practice score. Like I said, practice score don't care. So. I think some of that comes from because of the tablet, you know, back in the day of paper, <laughs> most of us would keep track, you know, how many points down are we? You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you know, Correct. I got a Charlie, I got a Delta. We'd keep track in our head of how many points down we were. And then when you went to sign your score sheet, you looked at it and, eh, you know, if it didn't, if it didn't match up, you kind of paid more attention. Right. Yeah. No one, no one talked about hit factor until practice score came out. Because nobody knew what right. it was. Because no one was calculating their hit factor on the stage. <laughs> Correct. <Yeah. laughs> That's what the stats people did at the end of the match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it, it shows you your hit factor and you're like, you know, hey, I got a seven five. What'd you get? And they were like, I got yeah. a seven four. And you can be like, hey, I beat you, you know. Yeah. So yeah. but in the in the old days of paper, when we would tally that up for the competitor to sign it, you usually kind of said, you know, 22 alpha, one Charlie, one Delta, one whatever. Yep. And it spelled it out for them, called their time, and then they would look at it and, and sign it, right? So mm -hmm. like Kevin said, they were just doing points down most of the time in their head. Yeah. And that's that was okay, but yeah, there was no hit factor on that page because we weren't calculating it on the stage. No. Yep. But yeah, it was everyone just talked about points down. They, you know, they'd pay attention to how many Charlies they got or whatever. Right. No shoots, misses. That's what they, I mean, and you still should be looking for that stuff now, like you said, especially yeah. no shoots, because I mean, if your hit factor is zero and you know you didn't shoot that much with penalties, you should better be looking. <laughs> yep. Or if it's really stupid, crazy high. Um, I'll take those. I mean, uh, sorry, I should. <laughs> but yeah, really, you did a 32 round stage in 0.46 seconds. I don't think so. Yeah, no. But a lot of matches that do multi day, um, you know, will get to the end and and then uh, try to have some procedure to waive that that arbitration period, right. that score, right. you know, protest period. They really need to have a little bit of it. Um, if they've been posting scores and everybody could check them, then that's that's allevi alleviates some of the time you need in the arbitration period. But that arbitration period is there and set up and and spelled out in the rule book, so you don't have that that time of incident kind of thing. It's like, hey, I just noticed this is this is wrong. Most of the time, you go to stats or go to see your scorekeeper or whatever, or go to the RM and they can fix it. Um, especially if they're doing paper backup or, or something like that, or if somebody knows that, you know, they made a mistake, but if it's an unrealistic time and you're not around there to, to do anything, then somebody can certainly, you know, arbitrate that. And it doesn't have to be their time. It could be your time. Um, so the point is we want to get an accurate and correct score. And if we can't do that, then there's, you can't just go say, Oh, I think this should have been a, a 29 instead of a nine mm -hmm. and add it in because then you're just guessing, right? So. Yeah. Yep. 
but that's what that that period is for. And you can certainly file a, a, an ARB there, and it could be a first party because if it's affecting you, or it could be third party if it affects somebody else. Yeah, I think most people don't, you know. Well, like in the class this weekend, there was hardly any people that shot worth paper score sheets, right? And I think a lot of the competitors don't understand because now they say matches, you know, final results are up and everyone pulls out their phones and syncs to pull down, right. pulls down the data from practice score and it's there. Right? right. Or, or they're getting emails throughout the match. Whereas, uh, and can see like at the end of the day, go and look online at all the match results where it used to be printouts posted up on a wall somewhere and everyone's mm-hmm. trying to fight to see their numbers yeah. You know, on this wall, it was a completely different thing. And that's why the art period needed to be an hour is right. because you had to allow time, everyone opportunity to be able to go up to the wall and see the printed scores. Yep. The old yep. Wailing wall. The yeah. old Wailing wall. Yep. <laughs> well, and we, you know, in the Wailing wall, especially as the match was drawing to a close, they were, you know, as soon as the stage was complete, they'd go post mm-hmm. those results just so people could keep track of it. But yeah, yeah. Right. as soon as you announced it was complete, there's, you know, a hundred people trying to look at, you know, the results on the, on the Whalen wall. And that, that took a while, but yeah. not anymore. No. It was especially interesting when they, when they hung that paper up at universal uh, in Florida, because that wall extends into a pond in the front <laughs> and there's not a lot of real estate on either side of it. So the crowd there's, was, was pretty interesting. And there's, and there's gators, gators in the, the pond. Pond. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of pushing and shoving up there. To get... <laughs> Shut up, Fred splash. I know. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, you gotta you gotta keep track of your of your score, um, and really, if if you're gone and you know you can't reshoot, there's really no recourse except a zero, and that could be. Well, I mean, like I said, practice score won't hardly ever let you put in the wrong number of hits or anything, but you know, if if you think you didn't get no shoots or something, or you know, your your paper copy doesn't reflect it you might be able to fix that but times are are a problem right so yeah well and if you didn't show up to chrono because that's yeah yeah if you don't show up to chronograph you're gonna zero out the whole match not just the stage so yeah yeah. that kind of sucks we had (laughs) we had a competitor do that at one of the european matches and he was somewhere over the atlantic and they realized that he didn't show up to chrono so, the, moral of, the moral of the story tonight is for any match before you leave the range, yeah, make sure all your scores look right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whether that's on practice score or I mean there are still there are still matches that are still posting interim results, I guess. I on a wheeling wall of sorts. I I'm not sure why, but uh probably because they have no good Wi-Fi at the range yeah. or cell reception. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that would be it, I guess. Yeah, that's. Uh, but they got a print. Not all gun ranges are in good cell reception areas, <laughs> as this weekend proved. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, there's there there's not much there. Yeah, you can't bring your can't bring your Starlink and hook it up. So, well, they had Wi-Fi. They just didn't Did have. They had internet there somehow. They had Wi-Fi, but we there was no cell service there. Oh. Mine was very weak, depending where I stood. Yeah, I mean, it was, I had better cell reception there than the Tri Cities range. So, <laughs> well, Tri Cities range is fine as long as you're on Verizon and you span just outside that side door. Yeah, the river yeah, side right. of the building, it's it's great right there. Uh, if I'm just randomly have my phone on at that range, I will occasionally get text messages and it'll download my email, but I can never find that spot again if I actually need to make a call. And at the end so. of the day, your phone battery is completely dead because it spent the entire day trying to talk to the network. Well, usually I put it in airplane mode. But I <laughs> sometimes I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that lesson. Why is my battery dead? Oh, yeah, I learned that lesson. So uh, one thing I kind of wanted to, to to dive into, and it's it's something that we used to talk about at classes. It used to be part of our handout materials. I know we've mentioned it here once or twice. Um, 
over the course of the podcast, but that's a range officer's creed. And if you go to the USPSA.org website, go to the NROI tab and go to about NROI, the bottom two thirds of that page is their range officer's creed. It's real. It's, it's well worth going and reading and, and re- reacquainting yourself with that. Um, just to refresh it in your mind, what, what we expect, what your match, what your match officials expect of, of our range officers, um, you know, how you act at the match, how you, how you behave, how you dress, um, you know, all the, all that stuff. Um, it kind of, a lot of it comes right back to the, the principles behind the range officers creed. So if you got a minute and you haven't read that in a while, go read it. Um, Should, why don't we just read through it? Oh, we could do that. Let me pull it. Let me get it back. I had, had the page open. So whoops. I'll do yeah, that's really one. your kind of a code of conduct, right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and not not so many words. It's a little bit differently formatted, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. So the range officer's creed. As a USPSA range officer, I shall conduct all competitions with the safety of the competitors, spectators, and fellow range officials first and foremost in my thoughts and actions. I shall always be courteous while maintaining firm control over my range and areas of responsibility. I will always strive to be totally fair and impartial in my judgments. Safety shall always be my primary goal with efficiency and speed of the competition as secondary factors. It is a privilege and an honor to serve as a range officer, and I shall act accordingly. It is my duty to assist all competitors in their attempts to accomplish their goals and not hinder them by undue harassment or authoritarian behavior. I shall put aside personal prejudices and act as an impartial judge at all times. I shall keep my opinions to myself and shall not be critical of any individual beyond the field of contest. I will thoroughly familiarize myself with all current regulations, match rules, and attendant subjects. I will be firm and fair in all judgmental calls made during the course of a stage and be prepared to state in a clear and concise manner my reasons for such calls to the particular competitor or any range official. During the course of a stage, my attention shall be clearly focused on the particular competitor I am assigned to observe, and I shall not permit my attention to be misdirected or lax. Prior to and during a stage, I shall never consume any alcoholic beverage or narcotic. I understand that if I violate this rule, I may be suspended or barred from serving as a range official in the future. I shall confer only with my fellow range officers and match officials concerning the behavior of any competitor and any decisions to be rendered. I shall exercise due consideration for the personal emotions of any competitor and shall act in a manner so as to not embarrass or disturb the competitor any more than is absolutely necessary. I shall strive to never give the appearance of wrongdoing. And, you know, that's, like I said, it's when I, when I took the RO class, um, the, my first RO class, I'm, I ve- very vividly remember Jay Warden standing there reading that to the class. Um, and it was early on in the class and, uh, you know, we don't do the paper, the printed materials anymore. Um, moves There's a, lot a of link stuff. to that. In yeah, the there is a link. RO manual. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but you know, if, if you haven't read that in a while, I know I just read it out loud, but if you haven't read that in a while and you're an RO and you want to be a better RO, it's a good idea to read that now and then and remind yourself of what's there. Um, we keep hearing, and now and then we hear stories and about people doing stuff they shouldn't oughta as ROs and and it kind of it's upsetting honestly um, because a lot of us have worked you know a long time in this organization you know um, and we've put a lot of effort into it and we hold hold it with very high regard and to have people that uh, don't hold it in high regard and and are really you know, casting a, a, a bad light on the organization is very painful. So, um, and it's very upsetting. So yeah. Anyway, enough preaching. Well, I mean, to coin a phrase, if you want to just sum that up, it's uh, basically safe, fun, fair, practical shooting, right? Yeah. Yep. So safety, fun by being professional, courteous, you know, uh, all that stuff. And then fair. So you treat everybody the same. You got to penalize or DQ your girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other. It, it makes for a long ride home, but you got to do it, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, we talk about all this stuff in the seminar. It's just we don't. Yeah. 
talk about it in this manner. It right. we just right. don't read the creed anymore. <clears throat> well, and it, it really bo- boils down to Troy's rule number one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's just don't be a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in other words, um, but you know, another four letter word. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> and you know it that uh, that's 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 about as concise as you can as you can get. And ROs, we need to remember that we're really we're in the customer service business, really. Right. Um, you know, the competitors are our customers. We're there to you know make sure that they have a good stage to shoot and you know that's what that's what we're there to do so but that doesn't mean the customer's always right either oh hell no (laughs) anyone that's ever worked in customer service already knows that the whole (laughs) the customer's always right was written by a customer yeah (laughs) you're representing uh you're representing the company too though you're representing the organization as well so you have to also keep that in mind Mm -hmm. but yeah that Customer's always right thing was uh, written by a customer, I guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think what it comes down to, people sometimes forget that we're the 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 official the officials of the sport. We're the umpires, we're the referees. Yeah. And so that's why we need to, you know, act professionally and fairly and all that. Um, so sometimes when you see ROs doing immature things and stuff, it does this frustrate you. And you know, I understand you know, you're at your local match, you're with your buddies. There's probably more joking around and whatnot. Um, but know your audience. Yeah. You know, when you're working major matches that you definitely need to be, um, professional and, mm-hmm. and, uh, follow the creed. Well, and this isn't limited to just practical shooting either. Uh, a lot of us are members of the national association of sports officials or NASO. Um, and, uh, because they have, uh, liability insurance for sports officials, um, this is not a plug. We're not sponsored by NASO. Um, but a lot of us are members and, uh, what part of the benefits of membership is you get their magazine and a lot of the same principles are being talked about in, you know, you know, being an official for high school volleyball or high school softball or high school baseball. I mean, it's, they're talking about this. It's the same principles that, that I just read basically just cast in a different, on a different sport. So, I mean, every, all sports officials are concerned about a lot of the same things. Right. That's uh, it, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you mentioned it because I get questions, oh, three or four a month probably about, you know, insurance. What can I do to, to insure myself, et cetera? I mean, most of the time the officials are covered by whatever liability policy the range has. But if you feel more comfortable having some personal liability, occasionally you can get it through your homeowner's insurance, but NASO, uh, National Association of Sports Officials does offer an insurance thing. And I think it's uh, just NASO.org. believe so, yeah. So, yeah, if you look at their uh, little deal, it says because uh, officials work in an injury-prone, dispute-ridden environment. So that's kind of what USPSA guys do, right? Occasionally we have disputes. Occasionally people get injured. Um, so... This is this is a good a good thing to have if that concerns you. Um, lawyers these days take the shotgun approach, so anybody that can be sued does get sued in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not bad to to be able to you know kind of cover yourself with some of that. Yeah, it's and it's not it's not expensive. It's part of right. membership, and it's what hundred and something a year. Yeah, officials all over the place. I mean, I used to officiate some amateur sports, both uh, for adults, you know, with a couple of companies I worked with had, you know, slow pitch softball teams and things like that. And man, the abuse that gets heaped on you <laughs> oh, yeah. is just crazy. And, you know, it's high school sports, uh, little league, uh, even younger than that, man. The, and it's not so much the, the competitors or the athletes that sometimes it's the spectators and the parents that it's are really the parents. You know, getting on you. Yeah. So, uh, but you got to take that in stride too, as a range officer. I mean, we are going to have disputes. People are going to say things and, you know, at some point they might reach the point that it's unsportsmanlike conduct, but that's 
kind of your decision. I mean, we spell out some examples, but that certainly doesn't cover everything. Right. So you just got to, uh, just got to kind of, you know, set a limit and, and live with it. But, uh, yeah, we, we do have disputes and stuff. So I think one of the things I, I, you see recently, and you talk about people that take abuse, but you kind of also got to wonder why they put the signs up. Like if you're going through the airport at all the TSA checkpoints, it says no abusive language, no yeah. physical contact, no threats. And I'm thinking, man, why would <laughs> they have to put the sign up for that? They must have some good stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, and those no. jobs don't even pay that good. Right. So. But I mean, that's to me, I mean, a lot of people read it and they're like, oh, okay. I've never been rude to a TSA agent. I mean, even when I thought they were getting extremely personal on their on their search, but uh, you know, I wonder what what they hear and what people do and what people threaten them with. You know, when they're throwing away yeah. your shampoo, what do you, <laughs> what that you should you have known you weren't supposed to take in the first place. Right. Yeah. What you mean? I can't carry on a full size bottle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fifty dollar bottle of shampoo I got from my stylist. Uh, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have had it in that bag. My favorite one is the two gals ahead of me in line had an open bottle of wine. They'd gone somewhere for lunch oh. and had a had a, each had a glass of wine out of this bottle, and they had the rest of the bottle with them. And TSA's like, "No, you can't take that on board." And it's like, "Well, this is like a sixty dollar bottle of wine. We're not throwing it away." So they're standing along, they're standing at the side of the line, just slamming this thing. Just drinking the bottle. <laughs> it's like, well, I haven't seen that since last time I was at a fraternity party. You uh, carried on, but not in the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Mental note: Don't let them sit behind me. You have to leave um, the bottle alone. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they were they were feeling no pain when I saw them later in on the concourse. But oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a yeah, that's a good thing to mention. I mean, it, and it's really just boils down to. You know, be polite, be courteous, be professional. Um, I, one of my mentors was Gary Stevens, and, and he told me at one time, he said, son, you just have to treat people nice until they just won't let you anymore. <laughs> and so as an it. RO, you don't, you don't, you know, get to that point. That's what your range master's for, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. So move that, move that up the chain and, and get it off your plate and get back to doing what you were doing. But yeah. Yeah. Treat other people like you'd like to be treated, and I think you'll be in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just some of the stories that you hear. It's uh, it's disturbing. It really is. Well, let's talk a little bit about some other equipment questions we've had. Um, I've I've gotten three or four. And there's a couple of manufacturers out there. Sig is one. Um, uh, Shadow Systems is another that came out with uh, guns with integrated compensators. Right. So the SIG one is built into the slide. It's still a compensator. It's defined as such on their webpage. And for our newer edition of the rules, it also covers, uh, you know, ports in the slide designed to uh, divert gases. And then Shadow Systems has a gun out that they're not trying to push for anything other than as an open gun, but it's got a compensator built into it or onto it, right? It comes with it. And it's a nine millimeter uh, Shadow Systems gun. It's optics ready. So I think it would be a good gun to shoot for, say, open division and multi-gun or open and still challenge or anything like that, right? Uh, but I've had questions about, well, can I shoot it and carry optics because the, the model number this is allowed? Well, this is not the same thing, right? And if it's compensated, it's not allowed in carry optics or production. So the only place you could shoot that gun would be in open or, uh, well, heck, you couldn't even shoot it in limited optics coming up. So nope. Nope. Open's the only place you can shoot a compensated handgun. So just to try to get that word out there. And then we made a change in uh, Rimfire Revolver for Steel Challenge. So based on a question from a couple, three months ago, uh, could Rimfire Revolver start with the hammer back, just like the Rimfire uh, pistols do? 
And the answer I gave was yes, because they're starting at low ready, hammer back. There's no reason not to. I don't think it it helps you with the subsequent shots out of that revolver because it's not going to stay hammer back. But if you want to start with the first uh, first shot single action with the hammer back, as long as your finger's off the trigger, you're good to go. So that That's going to be in the latest iteration of the Steel Challenge rules as well. Um, okay. But just uh, another thing, because Rimfire Revolver competes in Rimfire Pistol. So you can have an optically sided revolver, you'll be an RFPO. You have an iron sided, you'll be an RFPI. There is no separate Rimfire Revolver division. So it should just match the the start condition as, as a regular semi-auto pistol. So that's the that's the thing about that. So you want to talk a little bit about Ely's new offerings? Yeah, we we mentioned them a little bit. Um, apparently, they're now for sale as well. So or pre-order, I guess. Kilo shooting sports, right? Kilo. So it's yeah, they're available exclusively in the U.S. through Kilo Shooting Sports out of Texas. Uh, they're the Ely distributor, and so uh, what we found was their 115 grain PCC ammo uh, wouldn't make minor out of a handgun, and in fact, it makes out of most handguns it makes considerably less than minor. So we started testing it as calibration ammo and found that it works uh, really well. It's listed on the webpage under the certified ammo program as not legal for handgun use. It's, it makes power factor out of a carbine, but it won't make it out of a handgun. So, uh, we started thinking about using that for a commercial source of calibration ammunition, uh, worked with, uh, Michael Atkinson at, at Ely and developed a, a labeling for it and everything. So it'll be coming out. And I think it's available for pre-order now, right, Jody? Yeah, if you go if you go to their website, it's under the the competition nine millimeter ammo section, and it's towards the bottom next to the new steel challenge ammo. Right. It's also so it's pre order. Yeah, it's labeled as nine millimeter calibration. Minor nine calibration. Right, minor nine calibration ammo, and it's we've tried to put the word out that it's not legal for competition ammo. It's not a certified (laughs) ammo for that. We've already gotten make, a couple of questions about that. Yeah, it's not going to make minor out of your handgun. Now, you want to shoot it in steel challenge, that's fine, because there's no power factor in steel challenge. And, in fact, the 124-grain 9mm that they have, their handgun ammo, and also the 115 uh, PCC ammo are both going to be uh, marketed as steel challenge ammunition, official yeah. ammo for steel challenge. So those are a couple of good loads to shoot for steel challenge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the right next to the calibration ammo is the minor nine hundred fifteen grain competition yeah. for steel challenge. So I'm pretty sure it's right. the same ammo, different box. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean <laughs> I don't think calibration don't think ammo we're... has a fancy <laughs> box with yeah. the NRI logo on it and it says calibration. And calibration right. ammo is not the same thing as as certified ammo. That's right. two different things. I think that's what's causing some of the confusion because one of the questions is like, well, but this is it's calibration ammo, so it's certified, so it doesn't matter if it makes power factors. Like, you yeah, know, no, no yeah. it does. <laughs> Different thing. So it's a it's going to be a commercial source of of calibration ammunition. So you could buy a couple hundred rounds for club use, and you'll be right in the right power factor range. No more grabbing a couple of rounds from Joe's box of white box and and shooting a popper with it. I mean, the rule book says that the power factor should be between 115 and 125, so it's not right. an absolute must, but it's always better if you're following the procedure, right, and, and you're shooting that lighter power factor stuff to, to calibrate a popper with. So um, that was the idea. A lot of that white box would damn near make major. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you never know. I mean, I, I had a guy that had a bunch of uh, – S and B nine millimeter, and they said, "Oh, let's just use some of his." And I was like, "Holy cow!" No, that's that stuff will make major just about, yeah. So, uh, a good opportunity. It can be available to anybody. Um, I don't think the price point's going to be crazy high. What's twenty twenty bucks, twenty two bucks, twenty two twenty two dollars and thirty cents for fifty rounds. Yeah. So I mean, a hundred bucks, a hundred rounds is under fifty dollars, and. Um, 
you know, if you're going to, if you got to shoot a hundred rounds of calibration ammo at, at any given time, you have serious problems more than the cost of the ammo. So, yeah, that means um, your, your, uh, stage crews aren't main, maintaining the steel. Right. But it's also good if you do chronograph, it would be a mm. good, a good check ammo for you to run over your chronograph and see what you make. And it should yeah. be consistent from setup to setup. So, um, it's always a good idea to have some ammo that you can use to check your chronograph. And since this is going to be commercially loaded and you're not at the mercy of somebody hand loading your ammo where they could make a mistake. And, uh, it's good stuff. I mean, we used it, we used it to calibrate at nationals a couple of years, uh, checked it out. So I would recommend that you get some if you, if you're interested in having official calibration ammo and shoot your poppers with that. But again, not certified for competition use, just for calibration. Yeah, and at twenty-two bucks plus whatever shipping, et cetera, ends up being you're not that you know any club should be able to afford to have a box or three of this sitting around, um, so you can do your calibrations properly. Yeah, and we had <clears throat> in the past we had dealt with a couple of commercial loaders just for NROI. Uh, ammo for the range master instructors and stuff and one of them was precision delta and i got to give a, a shout out to johnny brister because when i approached uh, uh precision delta about doing it uh, joe there said yeah we can we can do it we'll get it done for you so i said all right and then he just handed that project to johnny and johnny hand loaded all of that at his house right wow <laughs> And then, I mean, the components were Precision Delta, but right. uh, Johnny loaded it. It wasn't loaded at it wasn't loaded at the plant. And I yeah. thought, oh man, that's you know. I said, man, that was nice of him to load it. And, and Johnny's like, I loaded that. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> okay. It was good but stuff. It was pretty it consistent. Right, and that's in the stuff that was in an orange box. And yeah. then I got with Stand One Armory. Uh, several years ago and they loaded up 10,000 rounds of it and did quite a, quite a bit of testing to get it right. And we've been shooting that for probably the last, uh, 10 years, probably. So close to it. Yeah. I think we've, we've still got some of that out there. Some of the instructors have it. I think, uh, what Jay said, he had nine boxes. No, that's nine, stuff. nine that was boxes the, left. That was, that was the, the nine millimeter, 115 grain PCC, not, same stuff that we're talking about, just not boxes oh, calibration. Oh, that's what he had. I thought he yeah. just he had had all that left from the older <laughs> calibration stuff. No, no I think I, I have, have about I don't know, a little over fifty rounds of it left. Yeah, and then I, I have the stuff I loaded myself. Yeah, <laughs> I've still got probably hundred hundred and fifty rounds of the stand one stuff. But right, yeah. that's what I have here about three hundred about three boxes left. So yeah, but we're going to transition to the other stuff and. Uh, like I said, if you're going to RM a match, level two, level three, whatever, or just want some for club use, I would recommend getting it and, and using that, and then you'll be squarely within the calibration procedure. So, mm-hmm. Ben, a little running, light on ideas here. Yeah, it, it's the questions <laughs> wise. It's been a little quiet. I don't know whether everybody was so busy watching the NCAA, fine, you know final uh, champ basketball championships or what was going on, but uh, it's been quite a little quiet. Yeah. I, I normally don't watch basketball at all. Um, too much squeaking and whistling, but uh, <laughs> did you watch, did the, watch LSU the LSU women win? I did watch the LSU women uh, <laughs> win that game. And, you know, it's like anything else. People are, are all vocal about, you know, the amount of trash talking and stuff that was going on there. But, you know, that's all part of the game. And you see that anymore. You you never saw that because I guess it was kind of unsportsmanlike. But now most of the athletes will trash talk and, and do whatever, do a touchdown dance. And, you know, I mean, how many times have you seen bizarre behavior in the end zone, even in oh, the yeah. pros, right? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, heck, I don't care. I mean, they – Talk trash on the court, that's great. You know, make some hand gestures pointing to their championship ring, whatever. But I mean, God, they're making a huge stink out of some of that. Yeah. And then uh what was it? Joe Biden said they should invite both teams to the White House. And I'm thinking, when the heck has that ever happened? Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, so, if, they all, if they think there was a lot of trash talking, they need to watch more hockey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hockey. Yeah, chirping is a thing, right? Oh, yeah. So, but I did watch the ladies' game, and and that was quite interesting. I I noticed uh, Kim Mulkey had a jacket that would have made Elton John uh, jealous. So <laughs> I saw pictures of it. It was oh, pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> she she's flamboyant. I know that. Um, but I didn't watch the men's because LSU wasn't in it, obviously. But the ladies' game was good. I mean, there was some some good basketball there. I think what I know about basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of figured you were watching since it was LSU. So, all right. Well, if there's nothing else, we can tie a ribbon on this one and and uh, let's do it. Put it in the can. We'll have all right. Somebody send us some suggestions for the yeah. next one. <laughs> yeah, send us uh, send us your questions and you know whatever roles at USPSA.org will will gets to all three of us and uh, we'll generate some more content for the next podcast. Um, and again, if you, you know, any of the new, you know, new rules, uh, if you don't understand what's going on with, and why things change, you know, just ask and we'll tell you um, what's going on. And we might use your question on the podcast. So again, rules at USPSA.org. Thanks to you both for taking time out of your day to, to record uh, the podcast and we'll uh, see you next time. All right. All right. Good night. Good night, all.